This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Wednesday, November 7th, 2018. My guest is no other than David Lum of Tech Radar. Hi, David. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Miriam? I am awesome. You know why I'm awesome? Because Techtober is over. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be there too, but I think you, you were flying around a bit more than I was. So It was a little stupid, but I didn't mind. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to ever complain about traveling. It's a, one of the gifts of the jobs we do. And, uh, but it was a little crazy in terms of a phone apocalypse. The amount of devices that were announced were overwhelming. And so this podcast, I kind of want to talk about two things. I want to talk about the Samsung folding phone. Uh, and I want to talk about all the little phones that kind of slipped through the cracks in the last few weeks that I haven't really been able to cover extensively on the show. And I sent you a list of these. And I, I would love to hear your thoughts because these are really just news items at this point. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of amazing that we get so many of these little mid-range phones that kind of just blip on a radar, especially as American tech. Um, I definitely know that They'll, they'll just kind of like surface for a second and then be gone while we're still talking about our Huawei's, um, uh, you know, obviously the Google Pixel, the um, the Apple uh, iPhone XS's, XS's, but uh, yeah, the, the 6T is the biggest that, you know, makes a bump on our radar. And that's kind of criminal. Like so many of these phones, these mid-range phones have as much oomph as the big boys, but they don't, you know, they, they either aren't available or they're. Uh, their names or their brands are, are really more popular uh, overseas. And so we, we don't, we don't, we don't see them in consumers' hands. We don't see, you know, where, where we could uh, sell them or where, where consumers can buy them. Absolutely. So there's a couple of things other than the Samsung folding phone and that's going to, so we're going to talk about that. Then there's a couple of phones I want to talk about that are kind of like alternative form factor phones that are trying hard to hide the notch. And then there's a bunch of others that are kind of just like some are rumored, some are leaked, some are kind of out there. Um, and also want to update the listeners a little bit on what's in my stable of, of devices. Specifically, I have a Nokia 7.1 finally to review, which I'm super excited about. Very, very nice phone. I'm really enjoying it. And I've got an Honor 8X finally. I just got it today, so I really haven't had a chance to give you anybody any kind of thoughts on it. But um, we can talk about those potentially. Um, let's start with the news of the day because the Samsung Developer Conference has been happening in the Bay Area this uh, starting today, and we finally got to see a glimpse, a uh, physical glimpse of this folding phone that's been rumored for like something like eight years now. <laughs> yeah, and and we saw early early glimpses. We saw patents in 2011. We saw some CES appearances then and in 2013, and those were really exciting but you know as much as anything comes up services and then you know if it doesn't show up in the next couple of years it's like oh well clearly they had a lot of problems in development and we aren't going to see this for a while yeah i mean it's kind of been a holy grail to make a display that's uh, flexible but not just flexible to manufacture in a fixed position but flexible for the end user to actually move the display around right 
Yeah. And I think the only reason we don't think about this as a more serious option is because people haven't pulled it off when we've gotten really, really used to this static display, this really solid chunk of glass. Um, and, you know, it, a, a lot of it is form factor limitations. And a lot of it is that you can't really make the battery. You have to adjust the battery if you're going to adjust the uh, the screen, the display. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. So to, to be clear, what they showed today was obviously a prototype. It was hidden and camouflaged in terms of its appearance so that we wouldn't um, fully know what the end design would look like. And But what's important is that they did finally publish some specs about these displays. And I think I sent you that, so I'm going to look at this link right now. Um, I believe you folks reported on TechRadar about it uh, extensively today, and I will link to your story about it. But this story that I'm looking at right now is from The Verge, and it has a bunch of screen specs, which are like uh, pretty interesting. So uh, what's your take on that? Um, I'm surprised they release specs at all, but I think they know that if they don't give us any sort of numbers, we're going to be extremely skeptical. Um, especially at a developer conference with a bunch of nerds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially with a bunch of guys that are salivating at the chance to to develop for something different. Um, and you know, you know what surprised me the most about this phone is I was expecting the display to fold outward, like in the sense that when it folded, the two the two halves would be the outsides of the phone. Mm-hmm. But what they're doing is that they're folding it like a book where it's the folds in with the ins- the screen being kind of hidden inside the fold, inside the phone once it's closed. And then they have another display on the outside, like a cover display, they call it. So to me, that was completely counterintuitive um, because I thought that why would you, you know, waste like because that now means you need to power two displays you have two display interfaces you have more real estate taken up but display in the hardware it's it seems interesting but at the same time i have a feeling that you know making it on the outside would mean that that hinge part would have to stretch somehow right whereas with this design i think it can be a relatively clean fold so it's weird we've already seen um someone do uh someone do a, a wraparound display and so having it on the inside means it's you know one pain point instead of multiple many um which is kind of a cop-out because it's not exactly a foldable display it's more of a you know or it's not a bendable display it's more of a foldable display so i i understand the logic there um and it's probably a quick solution while everyone sort of eventually figures this out yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's interesting though that they have these two displays. Um, but let's look at the let's look at the specs because that's I think I thought it was, that was pretty pretty cool. Um, so we've got a prime the main display, the one inside the phone that folds, is fifteen thirty six by twenty one fifty two, which is, I guess I don't know. That's more than four K for sure. Uh, more than two K might be almost four K, right? It's know. it's at least uh, full HD. It's it's probably it's probably not close to 4K, but it's sharper than anything we have in a phone. That extra width is going to be a lot more screen real estate than people are used to. Um, and the 420 DPI is not bad. That's yeah, that's 420 DPI, and it's a four by three almost, Asperger, four point two by three. So that's also very interesting because if you remember, some devices like the Pixelbook and the, the Chromebook Pixels, and some of the Macs and and uh, other laptops uh, have recently kind of gone back to a a four by three display aspect ratio, so that you can actually put two letter size documents side by side on the display. Um, and I think it's interesting because I think it's going to maximize real estate and uh, no matter how you orient it, really. Right. Yeah. 
Um, and the the big productivity slash usability feature they announced with it, the um, it was a multi-app, uh, multi-something um, uh, functionality was was basically you know use three apps at the same time, um, and that's you could conceivably you know split that wide screen into three different um samsung typical displays and then you can just you know instead of just splitting the screen in half you can uh do three things at once but you're already familiar with this phone interface um right. it's not just like a like an ipad which is you know like a bigger wider ios you've got this uh this this real estate to uh to run more of your apps if you wanted, if you if you needed three apps at once, I don't know if I need to look at three apps at once. <laughs> Come on, David, get on with get to the program. Everybody needs three <laughs> apps at once. Um, I think the outside display is also interesting. It's better than, uh, you know, it's not full HD, but better than 720p. It's 840 by 1960. It looks like mm -hmm. uh, 420, both of 420 DPI. So that's basically what they're going for, and and it's it's bezel tastic clearly because well. It's got a bottom and top chin. Probably needs a lot of hardware in, in, in that. There's probably a lot of hardware in that device. Uh, yeah, obviously. I'm sure. Um, and so we do we know a name? Do we have a name yet? They they call the display Infinity Flex, right? Right, and I don't know if that's the display or the technology behind the display, which to me suggests that they might uh, that that this is something they could export um, to other phones or or something. That I know those were some questions that people were asking on the floor. I mean, obviously, we've been calling it unofficially the Galaxy X or 10 or whatever, because everybody's doing an X phone right now. Even <laughs> uh, even Nubia ZTE, we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, the X phones are all the rage. Even the X laptops, uh, like the MateBook Pro X Pro from Huawei. Great, great laptop for the money, by the way. Um, but yeah, I think, look, I'm excited. Obviously, this is a developer conference and Samsung has traditionally never shown much at developer conferences in terms of actual real hardware. Nobody's been able to touch this thing. We saw it in video and photos. They even dimmed the lights in the room so we couldn't see too much. But it's clearly folding and it's clearly a good folding mechanism. Like everything is clear and nice and there's no weird ripples in the display as it folds or anything like that. So that's, and I mean, you'd expect that from Samsung, but it's, it's interesting. It's reassuring. It to me it tells me that they want, they want the developers on board because this thing is coming in next year for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and they, they had a, a little line at the end where they said, not only did, um, we like develop this technology, but we developed, um, alongside the manufacturing process. So these are already, they're going to be in production soon. Right. So that's kind of inspiring but it also you know this is once samsung is big lumbering machine but once it gets once it gets rolling yeah absolutely i i mean i'm excited i'm glad that samsung's pushing the envelope in one direction of another or another because i mean as much as their phones are powerhouses and are you know tick all the boxes and they're really great phones i just feel like you know huawei's really been kind of holding the innovation torch i mean you wrote the review for the mate 20 pro you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. i yeah. mean it's like it's like, yes, the Galaxy Note is everything but the kitchen sink, but really, you know, take that paradigm, maybe remove the stylus and crank everything up to 11 and you, you got a Mate 20 Pro in your hands, right? I mean, it, I feel, to me, it feels like Huawei is really the one kind of pushing things right now. Yeah, the Note 8 to the Note 9, the Galaxy S8 to the S9, like the, 
they're, they're iterative. They're extremely iterative and they're leaning on their haunches a little bit. And I wonder if this is the thing they were working on in the background, which is interesting. It makes sense too, because if you think about it, you know, back in the day, they made the note and kind of surprised us with that. Then they made the Galaxy um, uh, camera, remember? So they've been mm. kind of throwing darts and see if they will stick, right? The note definitely stuck. And let's see if this sticks. I, I think this is technically, technologically much more of a of a gamble and a challenge. And kudos to them for you know trying it. I'm sure they're not the only one. I'm sure Huawei's willing on folding working on folding displays. Probably Lenovo too. We've seen, you know, the, the new Yoga Yoga book uh is is even more delightful than the original with an e-paper display on the second half of the screen, uh the, the bottom part where the, the keyboard and, and and trackpad would be. I think this is this is this is where we're headed, at least in the tablet laptop space where you know, keyboards and trackpads are slowly going to go away, get replaced by some sort of haptic display, right? Um, so, of course, folding displays are part of that story because eventually you don't want that gap in between the two, right? Mm -hmm. So, it's not just phones. I think this affects all our mobile computing devices, whether touch-based or maybe more traditional GUI-based. And I'm all for it. I'm super stoked about this. I'd be really excited to not be pressured to get a tablet. I'd be I'd be excited to have my phone double up on this. But there are some like format and size considerations. Even in the silhouette, we could see this thing was thick and yeah. that's not going to fit in your pocket, you know? Yeah, but, you know, I mean, so is the, you know, hydro red hydrogen one. Right. And some mm -hmm. people are still going to buy it for the promise of what it brings to the table. Right. So I. I on one hand. I want something sleek and refined and that has been iterated over for decades or years at least. And, you know, kind of like, you know, looking at those flagship devices that we all have in our pockets today. But at the same time, that also stifles innovation somewhat, right? Because it's like, well, let's just make another slab of glass, right? Um, so I'm willing to maybe compromise a little bit on form factor and on perfect kind of like pocketability if I have something that uh you know that's that's different right that's that's me because i'm an early adopter and i think a lot of the people listening to the show are probably uh, also kind of into the the new stuff so i think you know with everything we do when we get something that's a new technology we're, we're making compromises and eventually those compromises go away right yeah as long as you know uh we we stick on the same path and i think enough people are are hyping up this you know this curve design as much as there were other iterations which people you know kind of signified as the next step like a fingerprint sensor which you know it, it works um and it does help authenticate uh, a lot of uh in-app purchases and stuff like that but it, you know it's really not as groundbreaking as something like this no that's true for sure so, I mean, are you excited? Do you think, I mean, you're looking forward to this? You know, it's hard for us to say, yeah, I'll buy it because we've, like, frankly, we rarely buy phones, do we, anymore <laughs> as reviewers? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a lie to say we would buy a phone because we wouldn't. But at the same time, I, hopefully we'll get one to play with and I'm, I'm on board for that. So I think it's cool. Yeah. I think it's great. I think the, the opportunity to um, have something that you can expand and, and find a reason, you know, if you, if you put a stylus on this, suddenly you have like, you can sketch out notes, you can do all these things that the note theoretically allows, uh, but on a much bigger canvas and on something that you can actually input, you know, a lot of touch controls into a lot of stylus controls into that's going to be a lot more natural for people, uh, especially as something they can hold, you know, maybe in theory, uh, a little bit curved in their hands. Um, you know, unlike a tablet, which, you know, you got your 12.9 inch iPad pro and that thing is, you know, huge to wield. 
but this is yeah (laughs) it is pretty damn big uh but hey you know some people like it because of that i personally as soon as the ipad got bigger than the 12 inch macbook in terms of you know i mean the new one is really thin and has very little bezel so it's finally back to a form factor that i feel is manageable but the original ipad pro the big 12 inch original with all its bezel-y goodness and the home buttony goodness honestly no thanks that was bigger than a macbook 12 inch i was not on board for that <laughs> but that's just me <laughs> you know yeah 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 and i think this is if you can if you could fold a tablet and put it in your pocket you'd be able to take in more places you wouldn't need a bag for it you wouldn't need you know this people could you know go to a museum and pull us out of the pocket and sketch yeah no i think it's i think it's going to be interesting the world is interesting <laughs> yay the world all right finally so, it only took a couple of years i know so let's see i want to move on to some other stuff there is a lot on this show we want to talk about and and what is your take on the alternative form factors we've been seeing to avoid the notch so obviously you know we want the full-on 99% aspect, uh, screen-to-body ratio f- display, right? We want it to be to the point where the whole front of the phone is all display. And, you know, over the last couple of years, we've definitely been working up to that. And I think one of the ways we have is initially with the notch. Mm-hmm. And lately, we've seen some alternative designs in the sense of... Uh, Phones that have sliding mechanisms or motorized sliders or mechanical sliders that uh, basically hide the front-facing camera behind a slider or have an electrically activated front-facing camera or whatever. Um, So we're seeing a lot of that. And and these two next phones we're going to discuss that were just announced in the last week are kind of part of that. Like phones like the Oppo Find X, phones like the... um, Let's see, there was... Vivo. The, the, the Vivo, thank you. The Vivo Next. There was uh, also the uh, Mi Mix 3 from Xiaomi. So the, the two ones I haven't had a chance to cover on the podcast that came out like around the same time as last week's podcast were uh, the Nubia, ZT Nubia X or 10, whatever, we don't know. Uh, and that's interesting because they didn't do a slider. They didn't do a notch. They just put another display on the back. Boom. You know, it's like, why not? I guess. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a logical, it's a logical answer, right? Uh, you know, if you, if you can't uh, uh, manage, if you want to preserve the front screen, then make another screen on the back screen. And it's, but then you don't have to have a front facing camera because you can use the back screen to do selfies with the main camera, which are going to even be better selfies because the main camera is always going to be better. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's the idea. Means, yeah. So what's interesting about this phone is that the back is a smaller OLED panel, 720p, um, and it definitely has a lot of bezel, but it's embedded in the glass in such a way that you can't see its edges. So you basically, the kind of the display kind of pops out of the back glass in this weird, interesting way. And I mean, pops out in terms of like the light comes through. Uh, I'm not talking physically popping out. I'm just optically popping out. And and I like it. And the front is strangely an IPS panel, almost completely uh, front screen because there's probably a tiny little chin because again uh, other than apple nobody seems to have found a way to make um the chin disappear with either oled or or um or ips lcd panels uh to to put the display driver at the bottom of the phone so you know interesting i hope i can get my hands on one at some point to kind of see for myself what it's like it's not the first time i think 
was it Oppo? Somebody did a phone that had, had a tiny little OLED display in the back, like a one inch or two inch display. It was only sold in, in Asia about a year ago. And it was basically the same idea, but you know, it didn't have like a full screen front display. It was just basically, we don't put a front facing camera. We want you to re use the rear camera for selfies because the rear camera is really good. And so we're going to put a tiny little display on the back of the phone. Remember that one? I think it was um, an Apple. I'm trying Apple to remember. Some kind. It, it was an Apple. It's, I'm it's, calling it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's lovely. It's it was you know it's that's such a such a high tech solution for um uh for what in back in the day you know like a decade ago or more uh people just put when when self no 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 before selfie cameras they would just put a tiny mirror on the back a big like that's right wide mirror on it and it was lovely and it worked to such a kind of a vague degree that like you know it was functional but it was also you know solve the problem when when they were you know funking around with like maybe like 280 by 480 screens or whatever these really old digital things <laughs> yeah i thought it was i always thought it was kind of janky but hey uh you know and then we got our front facing cameras that were probably just as junk janky um but look i, I think it's cool i think that um what i'm impressed with is that if you look at the specs on this phone it's the flagship it's got snapdragon 845 it's still managing to have a really decently large battery, 3,000 something. I got to look at the specs, but but it basically doesn't seem to compromise despite having to cram an entire other display in that thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's the question like, is, yeah. Wow. Kudos. How, how do you, yeah. How, how 3,800 milliamp hour, David. 3,800 milliamp hour. That's a lot of battery. I wonder right? how much that back, that back screen actually drains then. I mean, you don't use that often. No, but it's mostly the thickness I'm trying to think of. Like, how do you design a phone that has two displays, still has a big battery in the middle, without it being thicker than the average flagship, right? Clearly, yeah. they've managed to figure that out. So, wow, kudos. That's all. And, you know, you, you only get limited functionality of that screen, but they're committing to an idea, and they think everyone will want to, if not shuffle around on their phone. Because that's, that's, it wasn't just it flips to an automatic camera. It was a full Android display. Like you can surf around if you really yeah, want to. Yeah, it has a touch screen and you can use that back display if you want in, in front instead of the front. It's kind of like, you know, the new iPads, you can pick them up, uh, the iPad Pros. It doesn't matter which direction you hold them. They they orient themselves properly for you. This mm. is the same thing. You can pick up, pretty much pick up the phone. If you pick up the front of the phone, you get a bigger screen. And if you pick up the back of the phone, you get a camera on a small screen. Boom. Yeah, yeah. Magic. And it's it's fun. I don't know if it's terribly useful, but it's... Nah. You know, I like I like the I like the idea of like not having a mechanical slider that's not water resistant that you know will probably probably break eventually when you drop the phone and makes the phone thicker, which yep. is what the others are doing. And speaking of, that's that that's perfect segue to the Magic Two from Honor, which is basically very much the same design as the Xiaomi Mi Mix Three, where it's a slider, uh, but it's uh, you you have to physically mechanically activate it by physically moving the two pieces apart mm. and and unlike the Oppo Find X which has an electrical uh, sliding mechanism electric sliding mechanism um, so yeah you know the Magic 2 I'm interested because it's interesting you know I, this relationship between Huawei and Honor that Huawei and Honor both don't want to acknowledge uh, let's talk <laughs> about that David you, you were with us in London for the May 20 Pro launch Great phone. Mm -hmm. You've probably used some of the Honor phones, and you've noticed that pretty much every time Huawei announces a flagship, two weeks later, we get, I mean, I'm joking, but it seems like two weeks later, we get a model from Honor that undercuts in price and reaches 90% of the feature set. 
with the same processor, right? Right. Example number one, you look at the P20 non-pro, which is the regular P20, and then you put next to it an Honor 10. They're pretty much the same phone. Um, the camera is a little worse on the Honor. It has uh, a headphone jack, which is welcome. And, and it doesn't have, uh, uh, I think it has, a, yeah, it has the same processor. So basically that's it. You get a lesser camera, you get a headphone jack. Oh, and the price tag is much lower. But you pretty much, in terms of design and features, you, you're basically getting a P20, but in Honor branding. Weird, huh? Yeah, and, you know, whatever, whatever you know, notes they pass, you know, behind when the teacher's not looking, you know, whatever they, their companies exchange, it's still, you know, if, if they can manage that at their lower price point, then what, you know, the, this, the growth is asymptotal. It just sort of like ramps up uh, at, that, at that point and our people are clearly willing to pay for a P20. They're clearly willing to pay for a Mate 20 Pro uh, to get just that little bit extra, even if it is hundreds of dollars more. I don't think it's a bad strategy. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is it's weird that you do not want to acknowledge that relationship. Like you buy an honor phone, the charger says Huawei. Like it's like, come on, guys. Like, okay, we're not <laughs> stupid. Like, hello. Like, why can't you just say honor is kind of like I mean, and they were going in that direction for a while in their messaging. They said, you know, honor is kind of like the younger, hipper, more affordable Huawei brand. But then they kind of dropped it. And now they don't even want to talk about it. Like I can't even get the Huawei PR people to get me to talk to the honor people to get me access or vice versa, right? It's like they're completely compartmentalized. It's very weird. Um, interesting, you'll find this interesting. The listeners will find this interesting because these folks are like super on top of it, David. The P20 Pro had a three lenses. Uh, it had a zoom lens, a, a monochrome, and a regular, yeah? Mm -hmm. And then the Mate 20 Pro replaced the monochrome with a wide angle, yeah? Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? The Honor Magic 2 kind of blends the three, the two of these again into a third dimension, which is a color, a monochrome, and a wide angle. Hmm. So they're giving up on telephoto. Yeah, they got rid of the telephoto, but basically they took the wide angle from the Mate 20 and Mate 20 Pro and put it in there instead of the telephoto. It's just fascinating to me. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, mm, we haven't done this combo yet. Let's do this combo. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, ship it, ship it, done. <laughs> and I wonder how much of that is, is wanting, is wanting uh, night performance, is wanting low light performance. Hey, look, it's, it's legit. I'm not saying they shouldn't. I'm just saying it's interesting. <laughs> it's an interesting choice. And it's like, like the third possible permutation has been achieved. Woo, actually, there's more than three. But uh, the third most logical possible permutation has been achieved. Um, so kudos to that. Uh, I also think that this is going to be an interesting phone. It's pretty thin despite having a sliding mechanism. It's got a really big battery in it. It's got a Karen 980, which as we know is a monster. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, cool, cool stuff. Um, we'll never see it ever <laughs> like the Nubia 10, Nubia X ever. But I just want you to know it exists because I think, and I mean you, the listeners, because I think that it's interesting to see what's happening. I'm glad to see a return of odd form factors like this slider because we need more interesting phones, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and definitely a, a return to tactility. Uh, you know, you, you remember back in the day, flipping open phones. Oh my God, it was so everything. good. Like when you were mad and you were hanging up on your razor, remember? <laughs> Crunk, right? Like you just like slam the lid on the razor and go like, F you. <laughs> that was satisfying. Or when you were super happy and you, I want to be positive. Let's be positive. Okay. Uh, 
speaking of odd, uh, other odd interesting phones we'll never see, the Oppo R17 was announced this week, and I'll link to the Tech Radar story. Uh, what's interesting about that phone is that it's pretty much like all the other flagships today. It has a notch, all that, no slider, no weirdness, but it has a weird multi-camera array in the back. But here's what's cool. They put a um, time-of-flight depth-sensing system, like, you know, what's used in Face ID and what's used in the, in the Mate 20 Pro for, uh, for unlocking. They put that in the back as well. So it's not for face IDing, but it's used for depth sensing, for very accurate depth sensing. And I assume that this thing will be a champ at doing AR type stuff because, you know, it can give it it can give much more accurate data for things like uh, AR games and and other AR features using the back camera as well. And of course, you know, an emoji or whatever the equivalent is in the uh, in the Oppo world. But look, I think it's cool because here's what I've always thought. Like, you know, currently a camera, rear cameras, high-end rear cameras like the Mate 20 Pro, the Pixel 3 XL, they use three ways of autofocus, right? They use the standard contrast autofocus, they use phase detection autofocus, and then they use, sometimes they have an extra sensor for uh, for laser autofocus, which is basically a rangefinder. It just fires a laser, measures the distance, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that's a bit of a problem with glass windows. <laughs> that's why you want redundancy in multiple uh, systems. The Mate 20 Pro and the P20 Pro, and, and I assume the non-Pro versions, add an extra dimension of using the multiple lenses to evaluate depth, right? Uh, because of parallax, they can measure depth that way. Um, so what this uh, what this Oppo phone, I think, is doing is, is throwing a lot of that stuff out and saying, we're going to measure autofocus with, uh, you know, a time-of-flight projector, basically a dot array. We're going to bathe into the scene some IR light and just going to have an IR camera detect that and measure the distances and give us very accurate autofocusing. So if you tap in an area of the screen to, autofo to fo force focus there, it'll know exactly what the distance to that object is because it'll have mapped it in 3D, right? Right. I think it's very clever. Could make it you know, easier for one of the tricks we saw uh, on, on the stage uh, for the May 20 announcement was uh, completely mapping something in 3D um, and then ingesting it, you know, being able to place it as a three-dimensional AR object on your screen. This is kind totally. of the same where you can, you know, if, if, it, if it is as accurate as we think it could be, um, then getting getting a more more accurate depiction of, of range and placing things uh, with greater fidelity inside um, inside images inside your camera. Yeah, is absolutely, cool. it is cool. Um, so another great phone we will never see, but uh, <laughs> you know it's pretty modern, it's pretty interesting, and I think that the reason I kind of picked it out of the list of all the many phones we could have talked about was that depth sensing thing in the back that raised made me raise an eyebrow and went, hmm, of course you do that. I mean, eventually all phones will be like that, and you know it goes back to that uh, Nubia X with the two the two displays. I actually do really believe that eventually every phone will have all of its cover all of its sides covered in display in some way or another. You know what I'm saying? Which will be an yeah. extra challenge for case manufacturers. Well, it'll be fantastic. Every case will be transparent. Awesome. Uh, no, <laughs> you're right. That's a real... Or maybe it's bumpers. Uh, who knows? Uh, speaking of camera phones that are really weird, uh, some renders of a... You know, these, this has been going around for a while, but this is kind of the second round of leaks slash rumors slash renders of a Nokia 9, mm. which has a pentalens design in the back. Uh, yeah, I also also found this on on Tech Radar, which is great. Um, and you know, this 
let let the madness continue. We don't we need more than three cameras in the back is what I say. Right. We had four. Why not five? And it's not just five. It's, you know, you look at the display and it has uh, there's an extra sensor on top of those five. Right. Yeah. Um, and and so it looks like this this matrix that's almost a BlackBerry symbol. Um, yeah, it looks like let's see. I count six. I count eight, seven holes, seven holes. So five of these are cameras, one of the hole is sensors, and one hole is flash. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot. Well, I want Nokia to make a camera phone again that, you know, pushes the envelope and gives, you know, the the four, which I consider concurrently to be the best, which are the Note 9, the uh, Mate 20 Pro, the uh, Pixel 3 and Pixel 3 XL, and then the fourth one, probably the V40. I mean... The V40 can be argued to not be that great, but I actually think it's a pretty damn good camera phone. It's just been overshadowed by all the other announcements because it was the first of that series. And of course, the P20 Pro is in there too, but it's been kind of replaced by the Mate 20 Pro, so I'm not counting it. Uh, I think in some ways the P20 Pro is better than the Mate 20 Pro in some areas for photography. So it's a valid choice. You can pick one or the other. But the reason I have the V40 in those in that four, so the four being the Mate 20, the Note 9, the... Pixel 3 and the and the V40 is that I think the V40 has all these really cool manual controls, especially for video recording that nobody else has. Mm. And that has to be acknowledged. So these are the four camera phone powerhouses. I want Nokia to be in that four by adding itself as a fifth, just based on what they used to do in the old days. So if this is true, if this render is real, if Nokia is working on this, bring it on. I want it. And it'll be, I, I think uh, companies are realizing they don't have to outpower uh, these top tier phones if they just commit to something strange. And this is definitely strange. People are going to wonder, you know, what what, what are all these lenses used for? And, and we don't know. Like, <laughs> this is just a render. We don't know. I mean, look, you could go, here's, you know, my wish list. I'll be on. I have a wish list. You, mm. you, maybe you do too, David. What I want to see is a regular lens. Obviously, a good one, like one that's very versatile, like the Pixel 3 can show, shows that you can be versatile. I want a tele lens. I want a wide angle lens. I don't know. I still want a real monochrome lens. So that's four in the back. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what would be the, what would the fifth be? Maybe a macro lens dedicated for macro. Maybe, um, you know, maybe that fourth lens is kind of like a, uh, infrared rangefinder like this uh, this Oppo R17 where it does you know some uh, depth uh, time of flight depth sensing 3D mapping right so who knows I mean I think all this is valid and honestly you know I'd rather have that than the kind of like crazy idea of a phone with interchangeable lenses because you know as much as I love Oloclip and they make really great products by the way if you want to uh, you know change lenses on your phone, as it were. They're, they're the folks to talk to. They're, they make great stuff. But I feel like that changing of lenses is a hurdle, right? Because you can't mm -hmm. put it in your pocket with the lens attached. So to me, having these lenses on the phone permanently, I almost want somebody to make a phone where the sensor and main lens remain the same and has like a rotary dial set up in the back. You know what I'm saying, David? <laughs> and you manually just pick which lens goes on top of the actual sensor lens, you know? I know it would get dirty and it's a mechanism and it would break, but it would be really cool. So I be, think this is kind of what Nokia is doing, but without the rotary part. Right. And, and you just digitally, I mean, you could have a digital dial on the front. That would be fine. Um, but, but it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the same as like 
as you know, you have a spinner at the top, or if you, you know, like um, like those old like like maybe flicker. they can do it with haptics, David. Maybe like you know, you look at phones like the LG phones and the the iPhones and the the the, the Pixel phones, and they have really good haptic engines, right? And and imagine you you have a dial on the screen, and as you you dial like you pick the lens is clunk like you actually really feel like or like activate you know you know maximum lens activate you know It'd be <laughs> awesome yeah i don't know and transitions between them i need to i need to oh feel yes like it, yeah totally we need like special effects kind of like the one plus 60 fingerprint uh unlock effect which is out of this world i've changed mine <laughs> to the simple one because i can't deal with the sci-fi thing going on there feels like i'm watching an episode of stargate every time i unlock the phone uh, right. it's this little emp detonation under like, your thumb uh, as you're just come on I'm, folks you watch too many video games uh and i used to work in video games i can say that okay uh <laughs> Oh, out of control. All right. Uh, speaking of more wild form factors, there is another leak we saw, and that's the Zenfone 6 uh, from Asus. Uh, the Zenfone 6 looks like what would happen if you took um, an essential phone and you know that round little punch through notch and you move that a little bit off center. That's basically what they did. They've put a notch in the phone that's not in the middle, that's a round circle, and it's off to the center, to the side, to the right. Did you see those photos? They, and it is, uh, it's a, it's a leak. So it's, you know, not yeah, the, not but it the looks sharpest. ridiculous. Like at that point, here's my thought, David, why don't you put it in the corner of the screen? Right. Right. And just have it like a little, a little cutout. And it's, it's, um, it's gotta be some sort of internal issue. Right. But that's still the most awkward sort of, um, chunk out of the screen. And you have in the corner, just a little bit, just the battery. You have, you have nothing else you can, you can throw in there. And so here's my theory, David. Like 100 years from now, archaeologists will go through the annals of of, uh, of um, smartphones, the great smartphone notch era of 2000, <laughs> late 2000 teens, and they'll be like, "Look at this incredible variety! Here is a weird species called the Zenfone Six. It had a notch off to the side. They went crazy with the. No I'm waiting for triangular notches now, hexagonal notches. Come on, bring it on, folks! I want some crazy form factors. Oh man! I think once you break the center mold, once you move people away from the necessity, the begrudging necessity of having a center notch, then like, well, you know, you won't be, you won't feel too awkward about it when it's, you know, pinballing around all these the the edges of all these designs. I want somebody to put a notch dead square center in the middle of the screen. Ballsy. <laughs> Ballsy. Oh, man. Um, you know, I just wanted to mention that because it all fits really well in this weird form factor discussion. Uh, but other than that, I mean, there is uh, not too much news. I mean, it's, it's all these new phones that are being announced. And, and there's some in mid-rangers. I, I brought up earlier the Nokia 7.1 and I brought up the um, Honor 8X. Have you had a chance to play with these two phones? No, I haven't yet. Um, we, we have, our, our office just moved, so we have some phones and boxes that I haven't gotten to play with. Oh man, that's rough. Uh, so let me uh, tell you a little bit of the 7 point. So the Nokia 7.1 is, here's the delightful thing about it. It's the first and only Nokia of the new HMD Global Nokia brand uh, sold in the US. That's kind of like worth looking at is what i would say the 6.1 exists it's an okay phone but you know it's 16 by 9 aspect ratio it's got bezels it's a very much a low-end mid-ranger uh the 7.1 is more like a high-end mid-ranger it's made to compete with phones like 
the Moto G6, the uh, Honor 8X and the old Honor 7X. Basically, it's in the two to $300 range. I believe right now it's 350, but it should really be around 300 in my opinion. Uh, and I'm sure it'll come down to that. It's a glass sandwich. It has a notch. It has a full on-screen, like full as much as you can front screen. It's got a bit too much of a chin in my opinion, but there's a Nokia logo in there, so it's actually, they can kind of get away with making it look pretty. It's Android One, which is all HMD phones, which is phenomenally awesome. Um, and it has like a Snapdragon 636, so it's a mid-range phone. Um, camera's not too bad, it's not great, it's a dual camera, mostly the second camera's for depth. Uh, but what I love about it is that the display is 5.8 inches. So it's a, 19 and a half or 19 by nine aspect ratio. It's a pretty, pretty tall display, but very narrow. And the phone feels amazing in hand because it's a glass sandwich and it's 5.8 inches. So it's pretty narrow. And this phone, you know, performs like a champ. So, you know, if you want to have a phone that you can buy officially in the US that's supported and has warranty and works on most networks, except for Verizon and, and, and Sprint as usual, Consider buying this phone because you get a headphone jack, you get USB-C, you get all the good stuff. Uh, NFC is there, of course, because all Nokia's have it. So mm. it's a beautiful phone for with great specs and a pure Android experience with a Nokia name on it. So if you want to go back to having a Nokia phone, that's that's kind of my quick take after just three or four days with it. And how much of that is is just having a Nokia again after... Exactly. After so Part of it is that, for sure. But I have to say, they feel really great in hand. And... It's just nice to have an Android One phone, you know. Even the OnePlus uh, 6T is still—I mean, it's very, very pure Android, but it's still their own skin, right? Whereas this is no skin; it's just Android One. It's just the, the base—the baseline. It's awesome. In fact, I feel it to be more awesome than than the skin or the Pixel. Frankly, I'm so upset. I don't know how you feel about this, David, but I'm so upset with the stupid gestures that are forced upon us on the Pixel 3 and the 3XL. I hate it so much. I want to go back to the buttons. Or give me gestures like OnePlus did or Apple did, which are really, really good, you know? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of gestures. I would rather just fiddle around with buttons, especially if I am holding the phone in different ways. I, I don't want to have to like... You know, in the same way, if I face ID, I've got to keep it in front of me just to, to, to mangle it around. I'd rather just hit hit a space that I know and dependably can tap, especially since these gestures are weird. Exactly. And so that's why I feel that Android One is the way to go. It's the kind of, it's honestly become the purest Android. I, I hate to say this, but the Pixel doesn't really have the purest Android anymore, even though it is Google's vision, blah, blah, blah. But they need to kick that stupid gesture system to the curb. I want them to bring back my buttons <laughs> or give me gestures that match what the iPhone's doing. Because honestly, OnePlus has shown that you can do it. Huawei's done a pretty good job. Like, but you know, this idea that there's a proliferation of different gesture systems on Android, it's like, fractioning Android again and it's giving me a headache just talking about it David <laughs> yeah Ugh. yeah I think that's one of the benefits of homogenization with Android one is that you can just flip between them you don't have yeah. to relearn a new language so did you ever play with the honor 7x last year I did not no so it was the $200 champ like basically at the, when it came out in late uh, late last year, early, well, I think it was late last year to the reviewers and on the market early 2018. It was a $200 US phone that nobody could touch in terms of specs. Like no one at all could come close to giving you that level of awesomeness 
in that price point. Of course, it's Honor, so you get the EMUI and all the, the bloatware to deal with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But frankly, what the 8X is, the new one, is an, ev an evolution of that. They've gone for a glass sandwich this time. They've included NFC this time, which was missing. Last time it was a metal back, like a unibody metal. Um, they've uh, improved the camera by adding the AI features. Um, and it's like a Kirin 700 series in there that's pretty fast. And it's a glass sandwich, so it's really sexy. The only thing that I still don't understand, and you, I'm sure you'll feel the same way, is this thing, like, even back with the 6X two years ago, we said, hey, ZT's equivalent mid really cheap 200-ish dollar phone has USB-C, why don't you? And they said, oh, well, you know, we feel like our customers are, you know, they're not quite ready for that. Okay, fair enough. So the 7X comes out micro USB. And guess what? The 8X comes out in freaking October 2018 with micro USB. <laughs> like, I'm like... Wow. Like, uh, honestly, this is the thing that bugs me. Don't you feel the same way that all these companies who are still making accessories and still making products like smartwatches, bands, speakers, headphones, phones even, like in the case of this Honor 8X, that have micro USB are really kind of slowing down the whole process of adoption of USB Type-C. And we all know that's inevitable. I mean, Apple's even just switched the iPad to USB-C. So we know the phones are next, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they can make whatever justifications they want, especially if they're selling in markets that, air quotes, haven't, you know, upgraded or don't have a lot of accessories for USB-C. But it's still, you know, a downward flood where we're just going to be, you know, seeing more phones of this. What's the point? Why are you holding out? And I think it really limits their, their ability, especially as more and more phones get supercharged. I think that micro USB is not like going anywhere. It's not doing anything. So why bother? No, I agree. I, 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 but at the same time, I wish it wasn't like that because I just feel like we're, we're just slowing it down. Like, you know, when I, when I buy a, a, a Huawei Band 3, they just released that at, uh, at the same time as the Mate 20 Pro. And the thing has micro USB on the charging dock. Like all my other devices, especially if you're like in the Huawei ecosystem, most of them uh, are USB type C now, even like the watch GT's charger is USB type C. So it's like, why? Like, why did you like, is it a cost thing? Is it slightly cheaper in terms of chips? Like you're, you're totally messing with this, this kind of inevitable change that's happening. Right. Like I just, to me, that's what I don't get. It's kicking the can down the road. They'll have to eventually, but I, I hope so. I'm I'm basically decided then that systematically from now on I'm going to negatively uh, uh, rate devices that don't have USB Type C, no matter what they are. I mean, if it's a USB micro USB cable that exists specifically because it's a cable, that's different. But I'm talking about like headphones, bands, speakers, uh, anything that needs to be recharged right now. To me. And or and or connected for data connectivity needs to have a USB C if it was if it's a choice between Type C versus micro USB, right? And there's no ifs or buts. If you don't do that, you get points taken out from by me and my in my reviews. Just be aware of that. If you're listening, PR people, be ready for it. Um, I've been saying that for a while, uh, but you know, eh, I don't know. It's just annoying. Um, speaking of OnePlus 6T. They released a purple version in China. Oh, that that looks great. And and Chinese people are really happy. I mean, lucky, I should say, to have this choice. We don't get this choice. We just get black and slightly different black. Yeah. 
I mean, you know what it's going to be like with OnePlus. We're going to get a white one and a red one eventually, um, like we always do. So, you know, China gets the purple one. Hopefully you can import it. Maybe you can flash it with uh, uh, Western firmware or, or Google Play services compile firmware and you're good to go. Speaking of OnePlus 6T as well, it's not in the notes, but um, I read an article. I need to find out where it was. It might have been on TechReader, um, where uh, apparently the... T-Mobile version, as you know, is a single SIM. It's a bunch of differences. The firmware is different. It's got, uh, um, you know, uh, some uh, some carrier apps pre-installed and stuff. But it also has one big difference. You know, on the launcher for the OnePlus 6T, there's this thing called the drawer or whatever on the left side of the screen. Like if you swipe to the to the right and, and left of the home screen, there is that useless OnePlus idea of what the Google feed should be. Yep, yep. Well... And you can't change it. You pretty much have to install Nova Launcher or like an obsolete APK of Google Now Launcher or something to get the Google feed on that side. But guess what? The T-Mobile edition does not have the drawer. Um, it has the Google feed in the OnePlus Launcher. And you can turn it on or off. Huh. huh. That's pretty nice. Yes. Why don't we get that on the unlocked version OnePlus? Mm, I don't know. It's weird. Oh, what do you think? Um, I honestly... What's the rationale? Uh, I, th I think, you know, everything that T-Mobile has done to modify this phone has been to to make it, you know, more more accessible or, or cheaper or within its margins. I mean, why else take out a SIM card? Why, you know, they, they want to make sure you're the only one or the only one, the only carrier you're using is T-Mobile with it. So this is some sort of compromise to, um, uh, to, to make sure that people using it have you know a more familiar android experience i guess yeah but this it's, is, it, it's interesting to me that this is a change that i would like to see on the unlocked version for once and not the other way around you know what i'm saying yeah i mean i definitely think it's <laughs> t-mobile throwing their weight around yeah absolutely and that's probably why uh when asked oneplus didn't really have much to say <laughs> <laughs> in that story uh, i'll try to find the story anyway um one last little item um on uh, of announcements a while ago we saw rumors of a moto one or motorola one and a mm. motorola one force i think uh and and those phones we thought for a long time were going to be the phones that we're they're going to be announced in the summer alongside the moto z3 mm -hmm. and it turned out that they never did get announced uh at the same time they got announced in china and but here's the good news. They're now coming to the U.S. And these are mid-range phones that are copycats in terms of design to the iPhone X and XS and XR. Basically a notch on the top, very small bezel at the bottom chin, and a camera pod that looks exactly like what you have on an iPhone X or XS. Uh, mid-rangers, but I kind of love Moto phones. And the Moto G6 I reviewed for Geekspin really kind of made me realize how further ahead than anyone else Moto is with delivering phones that are super premium looking and feeling at a really incredible price point. So I'm really excited about Motorola Moto 1 coming to the US because it's one more Moto phone you can get. And yes, it's an iPhone copycat, but that's not a bad thing, is it? No, especially since, you know, and I, I know we have a lot of these companies that are just sort of cop um, copying and pasting a lot of the design features that we see come out last year, two years ago, whatever. But that means they don't have to spend the money on R&D. That means they, you know, we only have to pay for what's in the machine. And at this case, it's a great price. Yeah, exactly. So 
Good stuff. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, mostly because I want to, you know, I was kind of like, I want a mid-range from Moto that looks like an iPhone. That's not a bad thing. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, yeah. So um, you reviewed the Mate 20 Pro recently. Mm-hmm. And I want, I'm going to link to your story. And Thank I want you. you to give us kind of like your take. Um, so... For people who don't know me, I recently started working at Tech Radar, um, and it's my first big reviewer job, and this is my first big phone review. So this is wow, that's a yes. big one to have. <laughs> right, congratulations. Thank you. Um, and it was it was a lot of fun to use. It's also a lot to use. It is a big phone. It's um, not not as big as obviously the Mate Twenty or especially the Mate Twenty X, um, Lord, but. It is, you know, it is sleek, it's powerful, it's got a lot of guts in it, it's got great camera, um, and it, it was it was just a delight to use. Uh, I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the MUI, but it... Um, you, do you have EMUI Ennui? Um, <laughs> do you see what I did there? I heard and it. And do you have MUI Ennui? <laughs> I do, it is just a je ne sais quoi. Oh, well done, David, well done, well done nice it's uh, the 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 guts of the phone speak more than than the the surface of the phone but everything else is usable it's manageable and and really um when you when you when you pick it up when you handle it it feels sleek it feels new um the screen's great the um the in in screen fingerprint sensor is very responsive um you know, a little better, I think, than the 6T. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I would agree with that. Yeah. And it's, um, I, I think, you know, we, we place such an importance on camera these days. And I think it's, it's, it's right. I think this camera, this, this phone lived up to most of its promises of the camera. I think every, a lot of people's number one is going to be Google Pixel uh, 3. But this was definitely something that made the most of its lenses. Um <laughs> Yeah, the way I look at it is I think the Pixel 3 camera is way more versatile as a single lens camera. Mm-hmm. But imagine what would happen if that hardware was driven by Google's algorithms and AI, like oh, the yeah. Mate 20 Pro hardware, right? Like we would see some even better imaging features and functionality is what I think. Right. And and especially with, you know, applying that to, to the um, a little better selfie game, a little better... Um, low light performance, a little better zoom performance. They got a telephoto, but it doesn't, you know, it's not the best. Um, and totally. And, and, uh, I, I, I think that's, it's extra features are great. It's master as okay. I didn't, you know, didn't hate it. Um, but it's, you know, it, ha- it has a whole box of things you can use, whether you need to use them, whether you need to, you know, use a slow-mo or, um, or a lot of the other features, it's night modes pretty good. You no. Know? Mm-hmm. As far yeah. as these go, yeah, I think personally, I feel that that at this point, the Mate Twenty Pro firmware still needs to iterate a few more times and to to really get that camera to shine as much as it does on the P Twenty Pro, because it took several months of iterations in the software for the P Twenty Pro to be to go from great to absolutely awesome. And I feel that the Mate Twenty Pro camera is great, but it's not awesome yet. And if I had something mission critical to photograph right now, I'd pull in. I'd probably pull the two, the P twenty Pro out, or the Pixel three XL. Obviously, that's in my pocket. So, it's interesting to me that, like, 
a lot of people haven't done that comparison yet. And that comparison might be unfair because the P20 Pro has been around longer and has had multiple software updates since. So, you know. Right. And we, we got a handle on, on even pre-release software, so it wasn't the best. Um, but, you know, you pick up a May 20 Pro now and it's had at least two software updates since we touched yep. it. That's it's right. Two software updates in about two weeks is not bad. Well, cool. So I'll link to your story, uh, your first review on uh, TechRadar. Awesome. Uh, I want to talk about a few kind of maintenance items for the podcast. Uh, first, I actually want to talk about a product. Like, So, David, do you get sent stuff that doesn't really fit your beat sometimes? It just randomly arrives or they pitch you and you're like, mm, this is interesting. I don't think you're like totally honest with the PR person. You're like, I really don't think I'm going to review this. Oh, yeah. But if so, you want to send it to me, you can. Right. I might tweet about it. Um, you get that stuff, right? Uh-huh. Definitely. So I, you know, I do a lot of car coverage on the show because I think cars are mobile devices. And I got this box in the mail the other day from a Chinese company. And it's called AutoWit. A-U-T-O-W-I-T. And it is a batteryless car jump starter. And at first, when they pitched it to me, I was like, okay, so you, you know, you're going to send me something I can buy on Amazon. Like I have a million choices to buy. Basically, you know, a lithium ion battery jump starter for my car. No, 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 no. I was completely wrong. It took us several back and forth in broken English, but we finally got to an answer. This thing is insane. It's a, it's an ultra capacitor, David. Huh? So there's no battery in this. It's about the size. It's a bit bigger than a lithium ion charger. It's still much smaller than a standard, like, you know, lead acid, heavy, big boxy battery jumper. But right. so it's, it's definitely something you can keep in your car. It's pretty lightweight, but you plug it into your battery. The one that's low, that's bad. And you leave it plugged into it for about 10 minutes and it slowly charges this ultra capacitor. And there's a little, like counter that shows you when you hit a certain voltage, you can basically, you're, you're, you're ready to do, a, to do the jump, right? So you plug it into your old battery, the one that's not starting your car. You wait for the voltage to go up on the ultra capacitor to the right amount. And it's basically accumulating energy, the little bit of energy left in your battery. It's accumulating in that thing. And then as soon as you turn the key to start the car, the ultra capacitor just sends all that juice in one big fell swoop onto your battery letting your car start and then you can recharge the battery in your car by having your car run for a while and disconnect this thing hmm. it's incredible it will never wear out you basically never have to worry about charging it you just bring it along in your car and if for whatever reason your battery in your car is completely dead like it needs to be replaced you can charge this thing through a cigarette socket on another car you can clip it to another car battery you can plug it into the wall uh through a usb um Get your I get ready for this a mini USB connector. Ooh, <laughs> these folks are stuck in the nineties. Um, no, but look, I think it's interesting. I would not normally mention anything like this on the show, but I've never seen anything like it. And so I thought you sent it to me. I actually it saved me once. My old Porsche battery is starting to go now in the cold weather. If I leave the stereo on while waiting for somebody, uh, you know, it tends to drain a little too fast. And uh, I did try it out on that one time that it wouldn't start and it sure enough worked like a charm. So I just wanted to mention it. Um, the other thing I want to mention is that I'm going to start posting the podcast on YouTube. Audio only, of course, with probably a few still images and a slideshow. 
And that's going to be on like maybe a few days, three or four days after you'll get it on the RSS feed through your podcast app. And the reason I want to do this is because a lot of people are watching my YouTube channel. It's been quite popular. In fact, my Mate 20X unboxing, which is the weirdest, most random video I would have expected um, in terms of numbers, has done really, really well. And so um, more people are discovering the podcast through YouTube than ever before. So I want to give them an opportunity to listen to the podcast on YouTube, but I don't want them to take the habit of listening to it. If they want the podcast in a timely manner, they still have to subscribe to it. So I wanted you to know, dear listeners, that you'll be able to listen to this on YouTube, but with a delay of a few days uh, every week. And then final announcement I wanted to make is... Uh, yeah, that, you know, I am a consultant. I don't spend all my time doing this podcast. A lot of people think that this is my main job, but it's not. I am a consultant. I help companies go to market with their products in the consumer hardware space. So if you're listening to this podcast and you think your company can use my help and, and you're looking for somebody that as an expert in product and marketing and PR, please get in touch with me. Um, and then the last thing is I do a lot of speaking engagements and I'm still looking for a bunch of speaking engagements for 2019. So, or even for the end of the year, if you are booking speakers and you want somebody that knows how to speak publicly and hopefully is entertaining, you can hire me to do that too. Check out my LinkedIn and I'll put a link in the show notes. You can see some of my previous talks and uh, that way you have an idea what's going on. I think a lot of people don't know this, David. So I thought I would let them know. Ta-da! I'm amazed that they don't. I know. I know what's going on there. <laughs> anyway, speaking of, I want you to tell people where they can find you on the internet. Because obviously, you are not just a tech radar. You're probably on Twitter and in, on other places. So let them know. Yeah, um, you can find me on Tech Radar, uh, and if you want to reach me, uh, I'm at out on a lum l u m b because I'm funny. Ha <laughs> ha, uh, that's good. At twitter.com. Cool. Do you have, do you have an Instagram? Uh, I do. Um, it's mostly private. I haven't I haven't built out my own. Um, that's fine. I was just wondering empire. because. Sometimes it's nice to have photos. I'm a photo person, so I like to put photos up on my Instagram. Uh, and of course, you write for Tech Radar. What's your kind of domain there? Uh, I am the mobile editor of Tech Radar, so I am phones, wearables, tablets, mostly the stuff you can put on or put in your hands. Ta-da! That sounds like the podcast. Okay, well, you folks all know where to find me as well. I'm at Tankerl on Twitter. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character Tankerl, without the vowels. And that's the same handle on Instagram. And uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook by looking up my full name. And of course, you can find me on YouTube by looking up my full name. And that's Miriam Joire. That's M-Y-R-I-A-M-J-O-I-R-E. Uh, I'll link to some of my unboxing videos in uh, the show notes so you can subscribe to the channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like the videos. Tell your friends. Let's grow this thing together. And uh, more importantly, subscribe to the podcast, mobiletechpodcast.com. Uh, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Stitcher, Slacker, TuneIn Radio, a bunch of places. So subscribe, tell your friends, all that good stuff. And last but not least, I want to thank our sponsor, Audible, the 
awesome, awesome platform for audiobooks. So audible.com has been a sponsor for a long time now. And a lot of you have actually subscribed to Audible with the link in the show notes over the past year. Thanks for doing that because when you do, it does support the podcast. So there is a link in the show notes for this. It's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. So you know, join Audible if you haven't already, especially if you have a situation where you cannot uh, read books. You have to listen to them. Maybe you're driving, maybe you're walking around uh, with heavy machinery near you or something. I don't know. But uh, it'd be awesome if you uh, click through that link. And David, thanks for being on the show. It was really excellent to have you on. Well, thanks for having me. It was a real pleasure. We'll definitely have you on again. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more to discuss in terms of crazy phones in the next year or two. So um, I'll have you on again. Thanks again. Awesome. I can't wait for it. Great. So stay tuned for another show next week, folks. And uh, we'll talk to you then. Cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.